Super Talk Mississippi media production. This is Jack Hoffman. For nearly 31 years, Tico Steakhouse has been a staple for fine dining in Jackson, Mississippi. I would like to invite you to come experience our family tradition of our hospitality, sizzling steaks, and healthy poured beverages. East County Lime Road in Ridgeland, 601-956-1030. This is Rebecca Turner, and thank you for listening to the Good Things Podcast here on Super Talk Mississippi. It's Mississippi's Radio Happy Hour. Well, I'm going to Mississippi. Mississippi, here I come. You're listening to Good Things with Rebecca Turner. Well, I'm Mississippi. Mississippi, here I come. Bringing you the good stories of Mississippi's people, places, and things to do. Now, now, here's Rebecca. Good afternoon, Super Talk Mississippi. You're tuned into your radio happy hour. That's the good things. I'm your host, Rebecca Turner. Now, don't forget you can listen to good things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Super Talk Mississippi app. And, of course, you can always find us, too, on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. And don't forget, you can watch us. We are on your computer or mobile device. Just head on over to Super Talk TV. You'll see I got a friend with me in the studio today, which always makes me happy. We've got Kevin Brown from Macomb. He's a community advocate and the author in southwest mississippi and boy is he up to some good things so welcome kevin thank you so much for having me on i really appreciate it so let's talk about how you got to macomb real quick because you're not born and raised in mississippi but you do call mississippi home now to the point that you're reaching back out into the community so what you know short bullet point what led you to mississippi god (laughs) okay that's one one bullet point good (laughs) next question Uh, family yeah family my mother uh lives in a, a neighboring county uh, she's 83, so I, I prefer to be close to her uh, to help her out with some things. Um, so pretty much God, family, uh, purpose. Yeah. Uh, finding your destiny uh, and what's your purpose to do. And you have found uh, your purpose there in Macomb, reaching out and, and planting seeds of all kinds and uh, really helping the community. So when you got settled in Macomb, what, when did your heart start to stir or what did it start to stir for to sort of say, you know, Kevin might can make a difference here or maybe I should try and make a difference here? Right. Uh, so I had transitioned from the military. I did 21 years in the Air Force. So I was used to a certain amount of structure. Mm-hmm. And a uh, sense of duty, uh, service, and things of that nature. So, transitioning into the civilian sector, um, I was looking for those things. Uh, even though it's two different worlds, there's a lot of things that parallel, right? There's opportunities. So, uh, I started seeking out opportunities to serve. So, I got into substitute teaching and the local school systems uh, that put me around um, a team of people that had a common vision, you know, similar to the military. So, uh, that's pretty much what led me into that space of giving back uh, on, on the civilian side was searching, seeking out opportunities to do that and things that fit my skill set. Growing up as a kid, I always want, I always admired certain teachers. Uh, they were like role models to me. Uh, and I, I always felt like when I had the opportunity to be in that position, once I retired from the military, a certain level of financial freedom, they say, what would you do for free? Uh, I wouldn't sub for free, <laughs> but <laughs> it's close like, to it. Teachers aren't paid very well. Right. Uh, could be paid more. Uh, but it was an opportunity to pour back into the young me, uh, the things that I was looking for when I was growing up. So they say you can't go back in time, but you can. It's called mentorship. That's I something that. that I say. The young you, uh, what were some of the questions that you had, challenges that you had, being able to come back into that position, especially being a male. 
sometimes when I walk through the hallways, it's like they've seen a dinosaur, you know, um, because it's not, it's not a common thing in these, a lot of the school districts. So to, to provide that positive male image, um, and just, and just put myself in their shoes. Uh, the world has advanced a lot more. Mm-hmm. Yesterday you were talking about technology and things of that sort. So we're a little disconnected in some ways and more too connected in other ways. Amen. So just taking all those things into account and what I could do. And that's what leads me to share that one of my bullet points is purpose. Mm-hmm. What are you uniquely designed to do? And most of the time that aligns you with needs to be done. So. I love that. And two, I'm a leaf here, Kevin, thinking about when you say you can't go back in time or you think about, especially as I'm, I am, um, inching up to a major milestone, which would be almost 40. I know for some of you, you're like, oh, that's nothing. You're still a baby. Well, mm. for me, I feel like it's halfway over or, but you think you looking back and you're like, but you can, you can make a difference by finding the you right. and mentoring and maybe helping them, um, you know, through different times or learn lessons that you learned the hard way and maybe, you know, help pave it forward, whether that's with your children or through other kids because they need that as well okay but you also came to this idea of a garden and Mm -hmm. i love that as a when i put my dietitian hat on i think this is awesome anytime we can connect Mm -hmm. um, the people of a community with health and fresh health and fresh foods that's a great thing but there's also other wonderful aspects of a community garden so what give us the backstory of of gertrude's garden Sure. So Gertrude's garden is named after my grandmother. Her name was Gertrude Hughes. She owned uh, a small neighborhood grocery store on the actual site that the garden is now. But this was in the 40s and the 50s. I never met her. She passed away in 1968. I knew of her legacy, but I wasn't born until 76. So I'm six years old. I was like, oh, so you're a little, you've already passed that, that mark. You're still alive. So that's good. Right. So she, she, uh, her work, to me, was a cornerstone in the community mm-hmm. by providing those 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 food items, because uh, then we start to get into food insecurity mm-hmm. and things like that. So, the space uh, over that amount of time, you can imagine that it had grown up. People mm-hmm. had started putting waste in there, almost like a little mini forest landfill combination. Uh, both lots on either both sides were overgrown. So, uh, once I took control of the taxes a cousin was in minnesota i would just happen to go visit so it all the land had always been in your family right it always had been in my family but it i didn't know anything about it uh but on a visit to minnesota for one of my duty stations my cousin said hey pay the taxes on this land that was it (laughs) thanks cousin (laughs) i'm like where is it at macomb i'm not from there i've never lived there uh but i ended up going down there and checking this land out and i ended up picking a macomb uh because of the radius to my mom. It could have been Macomb, Brookhaven, or Natchez. She's in the center of all of those. So I just happened to pick Macomb. And I go over there, and I see this place, and there's a housing complex, housing authority complex, right next to it. And I see kids coming out of it, but they're coming out into this space, which at the time I was calling an inspiration desert, because there's nothing to be inspired by in this space. So... I sat there for months. I go out there, sit and watch how things were, how the ecosystem worked. So uh, I started uh, cleaning it up, uh, getting the trees out, all the trash out, the majority of the trash out. And I have a friend, her name is Sarah Doman, and we've done some community projects. She owns a flower farm, and she's an art teacher. So I said, hey, you think you can donate some flowers? Uh, I think I want to start a garden. 
not I didn't know anything about any agriculture or anything. But uh so over time, over that year working out there, uh just when I would get a little discouraged, I wasn't gonna quit, but just feeling a certain way about this stuff, uh, one of the blooms would would mm-hmm. come out from the flowers that she donated. So it was always something to keep me going. I was inspired by the kids and they would just walk by and say, Hey, what are you doing? The adults were like, What are you doing? You're a preacher, you're this, you're that I'm like, I'm just a regular person. I have to clean it up. It's my part. Yeah, it's your By audit, uh, ordinance. By ordinance, you know what I mean? Even though nobody else played how like How big that. is this? Is it just a lot? Like it's, how uh, it's 75 by 100. So they're, they're multiple, right? Mm-hmm. So once I got that one cleared, uh, the one to the south, I talked to some of the descendants because these are all air property. People have been gone forever, right? Or in, and the people that are taking care of them, care of them, they're from out of town. I talked to them. I said, hey, you mind if we cut and clean it? They're like, we're not going to do nothing, you know? So we started planting. We actually put structures there. The one to the north, same thing. Then there was two abandoned houses. The city has knocked them down. So we pretty much have the whole block. We don't own it. Cut, clean, plant, and seize of hope. But still, that's an improvement. Right. And then um, the street, it's, it's, it, was a, it's, it was called West Alley. Now it's called Gertrude's Garden Alley. The city renamed it. Uh, one of the community leaders, uh, Glenda Jordan, she went and petitioned the city to change the name to Gertrude's Garden. Because in the reality, there were no addresses to change anyway. Because it was all vacant lots, you didn't have mm-hmm. to go through that process of people having to change their um, addresses and things. Uh, we got crosswalks installed, slow kids play. These are things that. How are, long have you been on normal. this journey, Kevin and Macomb? Two thousand. We say established in two thousand nineteen, but I started a year prior to that. So this is taking what five years. Mm-hmm. Just sort of slow. And I think that's important because oftentimes we want things to happen quickly. Right. But it was just sort of a slow progress of yeah. you first recognizing that it was there, mm-hmm. having the intention of just wondering what it could be, and right. then slowly sort of it growing. You don't have to you don't have to see the whole picture in the beginning to, you know, sort of get it started. No. Dr. Yeah. King said uh, faith is taking the first step without seeing the whole staircase. And isn't that scary? Yeah. But if you saw the whole staircase, would you have taken it? You might get tired. You might be like, that's too far. <laughs> that's too far. Yeah. I can't do that. I think it depends on your personality uh spiritually i think the creator knows what your tolerance is for things some people he'll show it some people can't handle that so for me it's been a journey um just walking taking steps uh glenda always says one step in a positive direction can create change so just continue to taking those steps most of the time everything aligns everything does align and it's aligned for you in other ways too there in macomb so we've got more with kevin brown coming up next Please tell me afternoon just a little brighter it's good things with rebecca turner on super talk mississippi 
back to good things. Don't forget you can find us on your computer, your mobile device. Just head on over to Super Talk TV. We're continuing our conversation with Kevin Brown. He is a community advocate in the southwest Mississippi area, but he's also an author. And he's up to some pretty good things. So, Kevin, you were talking about, though, your Gertrude's, Gertrude's Garden, which mm-hmm. is named after your grandmother who lived in Macomb. You never got to meet her. But how cool is it that you get to continue her legacy? Now, your mom, she's near. Is that your mom's mom? Was Gertrude your mom's mom? That's my dad's mom. Your That's dad's her mother-in-law. Mom. Okay. So yeah. how does she feel about you utilizing family space to, I mean, continue her legacy and her name within the community? Or really the families Yeah, yeah. In, in total? Everybody loves it. Everybody's supportive of it. Su- supportive of it. Uh, my family in Minnesota uh, that kind of turned me on to it. My family in Louisiana uh, that I'm a native of. And then my family in Mississippi. My mom, my mother-in-law, Gertrude, is my dad's mother. But she actually introduced my mom and my dad. So they, you know, they have a really, they had a really good relationship. Um, so everybody's, the legacy of it, um, I think that's the proudest piece. And too, that it were, and to me, from a community garden standpoint, mm-hmm. is that it's working, like it's mm-hmm. still thriving and the community's sort of buying into it. Mm-hmm. What do you say is the secret sauce to that? Because not every community garden that gets started with good intent, I haven't, I haven't found a community garden that wasn't started with good intentions, right. I don't think. Um, but depends on what you're planting there. <laughs> but still, I guess they would have good intentions of some capacity, but they don't always make it or flourish. And there's yeah. a lot of reasons why, but mm-hmm. why do you feel like uh, Gertrude's is? flourishing um i always say that the strongest structure that we can build in the garden is relationships uh it's not what we plant it's not what we do as far as art and things like that but our programming propagates relationships so when we plant the kids plant the kids we call them the garden kids these are residents Mm -hmm. of the area and i was talking about earlier sometimes Gardens are so out of the way of foot traffic that the only person that can interact with it is the person that has access to it. Mm-hmm. But this is between a housing project and a convenience store. So that's foot traffic all day, every day. Uh, the kids, they live on St. Augustine, the name of that book, right? Mm-hmm. And they have a, when they walk out of the front door, they're facing the garden. So, um, that I think is the biggest thing. The programming that's involved, we do yoga, horseback riding, all of this stuff comes into their space. Um, and in a lot of places, uh, urban areas, people don't really interact with people outside their community. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a, there's a culture difference. So we bring a lot of people in, um, to make that connection. If you do something positive, we're open to having you do come do programming. Of course, I'll be there or someone at the garden will be there to facilitate um, to make sure everything goes fine. But, yeah, art teachers come out there, people that make jewelry, uh, anything to expose them to something outside their community that they won't see on an everyday basis. Because we look at the opportunities as a menu. If you come outside your house and all you have are negative options, that's presented to you at a young age, especially our youngest is six and it goes all the way up to 18 and of course the adults but that's the menu that that's being offered so we try to add to that menu with those positive things um so that at least the options are there. We're not trying to save anybody. Well, We're just saying these are the options. These are the options. Well, if mm-hmm. you think about it, where you just started with this, Kevin, was that you had this family land mm-hmm. and then you just cleaned it up, right? And just cleaning it up and planting right. little flowers and even having them donated, that's mm-hmm. changing the menu item, right. right? We're elevating now what they get to see and sort right. of think about their community. Going the step further, which I think so many of us could do in our own towns, if you have those dilapidated or, you know, run down um, mm-hmm. places, trying to encourage that just to be removed. And right. 
just cleaned up. Just the cleaning up green part. Space. Green space mm-hmm. provides then, and then it gives the opportunity for new things to grow and flourish, or right. have have that sort of inspiration, as you say, from other community people. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do it all, right? Like no. you just can do your part by right. you know cleaning something up or planting the seeds. Mm-hmm. But you took this further and uh, wrote a book or wrote two books. So what inspired you to become a children's book author? Uh, I have two children of my own, and That'll we. Do it. <laughs> we, uh, biological kids. Uh, I have a 17 year old and a nine year old, two daughters, and we really value reading. Um, with them growing up, we really reading to them when they're in the womb, so we understand the value of reading. So that connection pushed me into the the genre of youth youth readership. For me, growing up, my mom bought an encyclopedia set back then, way back then. Uh, they used to come around the salesmen and they would go door to door selling encyclopedias because we didn't have internet. It wasn't around as far as I knew at that time. So she valued the value of education, right? Uh, she got to ninth grade. Uh, she, she was born in a different generation. So the, the access to school wasn't the same, but she always encouraged us. So she bought an encyclopedia and that's what I kind of read. And I ended up going to those places by joining the military. So I read about Dubai back then. You know, I've been to 48 states, lived in multiple countries. So, But it started in a book. Mm -hmm. So for me, going back to what did I need or what worked for me as a child, that's the same thing system that I use with going into the children's book. This is what worked for me. Um, So it's an opportunity to to go back in time and, and do that. Well, I think still for, for many children, their first idea of something beyond their own zip code is in a book, mm-hmm. right? I mean, mm-hmm. they don't really get it in TV the way that maybe we used to. I know my grandmother loved the Travel Channel because she had reached yeah. an age where she couldn't travel anymore, but mm-hmm. she could through her imagination through those shows. Right. Kids don't really grasp that, but they grasp it in a book when they are sitting there reading and putting themselves in the characters, and especially if it sort of looks like them or it's named after their street, which right. you did very intentionally. And the book is there dedicated to them uh when you go to the dedication page it's the garden kids those kids are the kids that i first met and the the name in the middle his name is kevin because i'm not really good at names but my name's kevin so that's easy to remember <laughs> you know it was a good name for one so right, it might be right. a great name for another yeah yeah and his last name was augustine which is the name of the street so uh of course we find we formed a pretty pretty strong bond um kevin augustine uh but the reason that drove me to highlight their community is because they saw it in a different way. These are undiscovered gems that have existed before they were born. I I was born, and they're here. So I asked them, well, who was St. Augustine? This is the street that you live on. Uh, I had a general idea. I didn't even know myself, but none of us knew. So let's go find out, right? So that's the second page of the book. It talks about who St. Augustine was because you're growing up on the street. And it kind of follows a path of everything that's around your community within a two or three block radius and identifying and understanding the value that's attached to it. So it makes the whole atmosphere more inviting for yourself, right? Uh, And you just attribute more pride to it than you would have otherwise. This is just another street. This is just another building. Um, But all these places have significant value. 
Because they don't just name, yeah, right. Yeah. They they're they're historical. Yeah. I never really, I mean, I knew that Kevin, but like I never thought about with my own kids, sort of using something they drive on every day, or they don't drive, but they ride on every day or mm-hmm. through to stop and use that sort of as an educational standpoint. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good point. We could all do better at that and opening up our kids to the history that's right there in our. In our, um, you know, in our address or within, you know, I don't know how all new neighborhoods work in terms of naming streets, but at least within our historic districts of our own communities. Why were these streets named after who they were named after or why they were made that way? Mm -hmm. Do you find, Kevin, that the children, the garden children, that they were hungry for this information once they knew that? I mean, because they don't know what they don't know. So did they were they interested when you opened their world up to the history or learning or thinking about it deeper. Right. I think that's, that was one of the benefits to alignment uh, because they were. That's why I was calling the inspiration desert. There was nothing to grab hold to that would nourish them anyway. So it was like prime real estate, even though it was trashed uh, for to plant seeds of hope. Uh, it just had, we had to keep using all these terms, but we had to get down in the weeds, you know what I mean? To, to work it. Right. Um, so like I said, when they were coming out of their, their living, um, uh, their residences, this is what you see overgrown lots, shell casings, mattresses, appliances, um, you know, all of this disarray. So what does that do to people mentally, right? It creates a, a sense of isolation. It, it, it does a whole bunch of things. It increased uh, pest uh, disease. Um, people don't really want to walk too much, so you reduce the opportunities for exercise. It, it plays out in a whole bunch of different ways. The convenience store is the main food source. So we're talking about food insecurity mm-hmm. again. So why not plant produce? So all of these things, well, I asked Kevin, well, where does a bell pepper come from? It comes from a cone market. Yeah, but what does it come from before it's shipped there? I don't know. Well, see, and he's these never been seeds. In, he's never been encouraged to think about it, right. right? So here's these seeds. Yeah. You take them in your hand and plant them. And come out here and water them every day. Because they used to have a gallon jug uh, for water. So. And then they can grow into beautiful things, which is going on in Macomb. We've got more with Kevin coming up next. Rebecca Turner. She looks healthy and sane. Good things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to 
of good things. Don't forget you can listen to us. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Supertalk Mississippi app. You can always find us, too, on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station, and you can watch us. We are on computer or your mobile device. Head on over to Supertalk TV. We are still talking with Kevin Brown, a community advocate, author there in southwest Mississippi, up to some really good things. And I think what I'm taking from the most of your story, Kevin, is the fact that we can all do our little bit of part of, like, raising the menu items. I'm going to leave here with that today, thinking Mm -hmm. that within our own community, whether it's just looking around and seeing what are the kids looking at and is it something they can be proud of? Mm -hmm. Can it be changed? What could be offered? And I think we all just get too big too fast in our own head, and it's why we don't start. But you literally started with just cleaning up a lot. Yeah, and I didn't even have the proper tools for that. I was out there with a machete. Uh, so it took a lot longer than it would <laughs> otherwise. And, uh, but you know, we got through it. That's, that's the important thing. And all that time, that was, that took a year, um, because, because I didn't know what I was doing. But God knew what he was doing because mm-hmm. that whole year, those kids got to watch me do that. We didn't even talk. I didn't even talk to people. I was so, uh, immersed in getting it down to a certain level. When people would come and talk, I had to stop working. And engage them, you know, eye contact. and But all of that happened for a reason because I got to learn people's names. And even if it was a nickname, Duck, it was Mr. Duck. So I addressed everybody with the proper handle, right? Um, so we ended up having just have a mutual respect. I've never had any conflict in all of these years over there, regardless of what people say happens over there. Um, I've never had any issues. Zero. Because you took the time, too, to be a trusted a part of that particular community, right? And I think sometimes, with the, again, going back with the good intentions, we come barreling in with resources and wanting to help and wanting to change. But there's a level of trust that has to be acquired before Absolutely. they are going to take, or anyone living in any community, or it's going to take someone seriously if you come blazing in. So the softer approach is usually the longer-lasting approach, but it's the tougher approach. I right. mean, you know, it wasn't guaranteed that these relationships would have been when would have been created either. But that really honestly wasn't your wasn't your intention in the beginning. This is no, sort not of more initially. Yeah, it, it morphed and it evolved. And trust is important, but also respect. So there's this term called cultural humility, and that means basically uh, your way isn't the best way, especially in someone else's Don't tell environment. My husband that. <laughs> <laughs> but especially in someone else's environment, because I don't live there. Right. So how oh, can wow, I come in and, and, and say, well, we're going to do things this way. Now, I offered ideas and we, you know, you, you take a step, right? And then people are going to let you know that's not going to work. That's not going to last. This isn't going to go. You know what I mean? You take all those things into consideration. And what happens is whatever vision I started with becomes a shared vision because I'm taking in uh, the 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 residents are taking ownership of what's going to happen, how we move forward. Because I have no idea uh, whatever I thought the end picture was going to be. I have no idea because now it's more of a creative space because we have a lot of public art out there now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not a thing in Macomb. So, you know, these things morph and, and people start to feel more comfortable about expressing themselves in different ways. And we're talking about people with substance abuse issues, mm-hmm. people with, uh, you know, domestic violence backgrounds, adults I'm talking about. Um, so you get uh, a, a community of artists and you don't see it every day, but you start to see different mannerisms change. You start to see 
different uh, nonverbals change over time. You've created a safe place. Yes. I mean, there's people that go there just for that. Mm -hmm. that. And they call it different things. I'm going to the beach. One guy, he says he calls it the beach, right? And maybe when he looks out there, he sees uh, tranquility, right? Um, another guy, they call it the park. But now we do have park equipment out there. But they were calling it that. That was the term. Um, and we have a big sign that says Gertrude's Garden. But the point is that incorporating everyone's vision, it becomes what it needs to be for everyone. Because when I started, I said, I'm rehabbing this lot. What I found is the lot was rehabbing me. You know what I mean? So, and it's the same thing with the kids. A lot of the people that come out and interact with the kids, initially they're like, oh, you know, these kids need some love. When they get out of that car, Miss Gunda, and all those kids run up to them, and it's a group hug, you know that's doing something for her. You know what I mean? So that's the transformative power because we didn't want it to be transactional. I needed it to be to get to a certain point, to get it clean. I need to just get it clean. That's how I felt. But uh, we started having meet and greets once we got it safe for the kids. You've used the word we a lot, um, Kevin. Who would say your core? Because I know you haven't done this by yourself. Mm -hmm. You maybe did some of the cleaning and the the grunt work by yourself. But you certainly haven't run all of these um, sort of creative outlets alone. Who is your your core team? My core team, and, and I include all these names, even if they're not continuously on the journey, they were there at instrumental time. Sarah Doman, the flower farmer. Uh, the artist and the flower, that's her company. Um, she started it out with what I was able to start growing with. She brought it out there and she engaged the kids, like did a, like a little class with them the initial time. Uh, Glenda Jordan, she pretty much runs the pro- programming uh, and the calendar. So events like Hallelujah Night is going to be October 30th. November 18th will be the third annual Thanksgiving meal. It's a catered meal feed up from 150 to 200 people that's her thing right um mr jerry white he's pretty much the groundskeeper every day goes out there and makes sure there's not a potato chip bag on the ground because you have to reinforce that for so long till it becomes habit right um and yeah uh though i would say those are the core miss felicia carter um one brister um and these are people that are part of other ministries I was going to say, because you are not, Gertrude's Garden is not a 5013C. It's not it's like just a, some people it's that just, believe, in a, believe in Together We Grow and Planting Seeds of Hope. So I love that, too, because, again, we, we try to create mountains out of no hills. Mm-hmm. Whenever we, we want to do something in our communities and we feel the lead to do, and then we can talk ourselves right out of it because it's, you know, this great big mountain when really you just, you just need to get the right, just get going. Get going. Uh, Mr. Jerry White always says, when people see that you're serious about something, they'll be serious about helping you. So you can't deny work, right? Like I said, just being there, and you know how the summers are here, um, all day with the inadequate tools to start with. Um, just watching somebody do that day after day after day after day. And like I said, the kids, and this, when we did start talking, they would tell me, we see you out there and, you know, in the heat and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you working hard. And I say anything that's worth having is worth working hard for, right? Because it's all about messaging uh, with them because uh, that positive male image uh, piece. Uh, there's some, but there's never enough. So any time that I have the opportunity to engage with them, that's the type of language that I need to be speaking. They get the other language. 
mm-hmm. and, and concepts all day. So it's just planting that seed, going back to that, that uh, principle. Well, and I think, too, opening their imaginations to the possibilities because, you know, one thing, too, here over time and time, I've seen such positive outcomes is just people who took time to ask kids, what do you want to be when you grow Mm -hmm. up or get curious about, you know, where are you going to college? Just those like simple questions. You don't recognize how many in many of our communities are never even asked to even be able to start that like visionary process of that that would be possible for them. So, Mm -hmm. you know, just being engaged. Engaged and engaged, engaged yeah. and then, you know, simple questions. Do you know where, you know, the history behind your street name? Like, right. I mean, to open their worlds up to something greater. Because we do that. Most most good intended parents are doing that anyway when you're engaged with your kids' mm-hmm. activities or schools. But not all children have engaged family members. Right. And, and they're occupied by other things. I think one of the key things is to be as curious as a kid would be. Mm-hmm. So these things that we take for granted or just forgotten about, sometimes when you look up in the sky on a clear day and there's a few clouds, when, when I was a kid, we used to say, what shape is that? And things like that. I found that a lot of these kids actually never look up. So, you know, we lay back on the bench, and that's all we see. We create our own canvas, right? And we we play that game because a lot of things that have been lost that we take for granted, um, they created a lot of avenues for dialogue and understanding and, and actually making connections with things. Um, so things that we can connect with, even though we're just generationally, we have those, we have to be able to bridge those gaps. Um, they're into tech, um, so they're able to teach me things. So when we have an event, you're the photographer, you're the DJ, because they can do all of that from their phone. Um, trying to involve them, engage them, and understand, you know, bridging that gap, and also having that 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 uh that boundary where it's needed, you know. Um, but the relationship is the strongest structure we can we can develop out there. Well, I love this relationship we've created. I know this isn't going to be the last with you, Kevin. You, uh, This has just been such a blessing today. Where can folks get your books and learn more about Gertrude's Garden? On Amazon. Uh, you can go on Gertrude's Garden on Facebook, uh, or you can email um, Gertrude's Garden. Berglin at gmail.com. Alrighty, Kevin, I appreciate your time. You guys stick with us, though. we got more for you coming up next. Rebecca Turner. She's smart and pretty. Good Things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi. Listen, baby. Ain't no mountain high. Welcome back to Good Things. Don't forget we are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. You can also find us too if you've got that Super Talk app. Downloaded, or you can always find us too on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. We got a, a great event for a great cause coming up, not this weekend, but the next. It's the Great Delta Bear Affair. It's happening in Rolling Fort on October the 28th. I love their theme, Barely Here But Building Back. Man, that's an inspirational theme for you. Meg is joining us to tell us a little bit more. Hey, Meg. 
Hey, how are you? Thank you for having me. Absolutely. What a great what a great theme for your annual event sort of coming back um, and thinking about getting folks back out for your great Delta Bear Affair. So I know this is a well-loved event. So what's going to happen? Well, some of the usual events, you know, we're going to have live music. We've got some great live music. We're going to have um, our favorite Elvis, Tim Johnson. We're going to have Walker Wilson, who was on The Voice, and he's got Rolling Fork ties. We've got Eden Brent. Uh, we love Eden. And Keith Johnson with his big muddy band. And then we've got um, Eli Mosley. So we've got a great lineup of live music. We're going to have arts and crafts and food vendors. We're going to have some children's activities. Uh, just lots of fun stuff going on in Rowland Fork. Well, I love, too, this idea of just getting everybody back a big, you know, sigh of just letting it all out, looking forward to a little fun, knowing that things may look different, but they're coming back stronger and letting folks know that Rolling Fork's open and ready for for a little fun. So what year is this, Meg? I know the Great Delta Bear Affair has been happening for several years and folks always look forward to it. This will be our 22nd festival. 22nd. So this is, you know, your first rodeo. Not your first rodeo, should I say. Not my first rodeo. No. No, we always wonder if it'll be the last. Oh, it's not going to be the last. No, no tornado, no nothing is going to take away this great uh, event. So, okay, so tell me a little bit about the the bear part, because I don't know if everyone understands the history behind this event, but then also there in your area of Rolling Fork. Okay, well, in 1902, uh, President Theodore Roosevelt came hunting in Sharkey County, Mississippi. He wanted to um, kill a black bear. He had never been on a black bear hunt. He loved to hunt. And um, the wonderful hunting guide um, from Greenville, Mississippi, Hulk Collier, was hired to help the president and was also supposed to ensure that the president got a bear. But the president didn't do just exactly what Hulk Collier had told him to do, and his opportunity to shoot a bear was missed. Uh, and just to save his dogs, Hulk Collier ended up clubbing the bear over a, over his head with his gun and kind of knocking him senseless. And they sent for the president to kill the bear because the president was supposed to shoot the first bear. And um, the president looked at that bear and he said that would not be sportsmanlike. He would not kill the bear. Um, it was an injured bear. And from that point on, political cartoons with President Roosevelt always had a little black bear in them. Uh, now, the bear that he did not kill was not a cub. It was a 250-pound bear. Uh, but um, that story just kind of took off, and so a toy maker asked the president if he could call his stuffed toy bears in his shop uh, Teddy's Bears. And the president said, sure, you know. And so... From Teddy's Bears, they all became Teddy Bears. And so a lot of people are interested to know that, you know, your stuffed toys, Mm -hmm. your Teddy Bears, have not always been called Teddy Bears. It was as a result of this hunt. And that was right here in Mississippi, which I think is super cool. Will y'all have a lot of Teddy Bears available at the Great Bear Festival? Oh, yes. We always have Teddy Bears to sell. Which I think is a lot of fun, too, and something good for the kids. I'm looking here on your Facebook page, which is Great Delta Bear Affair. You guys have great information about the different food vendors and everything else that will be um, happening. So where will it actually be? Will it be downtown Rolling Fork? If we want to plan our trip, and that's the weekend of the 28th of October, um, where can we find you guys? We will be in downtown Rolling Fork, where we've always been, uh, because 
you know, we'll, the streets are still there. Most of the buildings are gone, but the streets are still there, and we'll have vendors set up on the street, and we'll have the stage set up on the street, and we hope to have any hazards marked so people will be safe. And so it's going to be a fun day, and we'd love to have a lot of people come out. And this year, more than ever, to get out and enjoy it. And you always have your great artists who come out and make wonderful um, pieces of art out of wood. Will you also be having that going on? Well, our Chainsaw Wood Carver carved last week at the Mississippi Arts Commission Arts Conference. He carved uh, what will be the 2023 uh, Bayer for our community. It's to replace the one that was lost in the tornado. But he will be here next week. Also, he's going to spend his week repairing bears. We have a lot of bears with broken arms, missing limbs, ears, eyes, noses, things like that that are gone as a result of the storm. And so he's going to fix them all up for us. Well, I think that's awesome. And that's another great reason for us to get out and support uh, what you guys are doing there. Again, barely here, but building back. I love that. The Great Delta Bear, Bear Affair. Meg, I appreciate your time. Thank you, Rebecca. All righty, you guys stick with us. we got more for you up next. you got the boys with sports talk from 3 to 6. Rhino and I will meet you back here tomorrow at 2. But until then, I hope you all find time for the good things. Talk Mississippi Media Production.